So good evening. Welcome to Vision Dinner. Uh, we are doing we're doing this um, quarterly now instead of monthly. And actually, this year we're going to do five of these meetings. I believe we're going to do uh, one January, March, May, September, and November. That's the plan anyway. So we will have five. So it's a little bit more than quarterly. The idea is that. It's an opportunity for us to have dinner together, which always neat things happen when you have dinner or when you have food and you sit around the table, particularly when it's uh, good food, like Keith always provides. Um, and so we want to be able to do that and have a time of fellowship. It's also a chance for all of our, all of our different um, congregations, every opportunity we can, we want to have those congregations getting back together and enjoying time with one another. Uh, and so we're trying to pick topics that really apply to, you know, not just to Redeemer City, but to Redeemer Southwest as well, and to Berea. Uh, and so the majority of what we're going to be talking about as we gather together in these meetings would be things that apply across the board. However, um, as a matter, if, if Berea and if uh, Southwest will, will just bear with us for a minute, we did want to uh, report to you, uh, the mission team asked Jonathan to give a report on uh, the mission, the offering we took here at Redeemer City and also some of the things in the budget that we're doing. And so uh, just as a housekeeping thing, um, if you would bear with us to let Jonathan do that and then we'll get started on the other, okay? So Jonathan. Bear, bear, bear with me. Um, so we go through this. Yeah, there are, aren't there? Um, so Joe has a couple slides here, so I'm going to turn around and face the back, or the front, rather, if you guys don't mind. Um, you may be wondering, okay, so we took up sacrificial mission offering. It was uh, $23,000. Where did that money go? Uh, well, it is dispensed in uh, two categories. I'm going to take this out so I can do it this way. Um, so it's dispensed in two categories, local and global. And so you'll see there we have two major partners here locally. Uh, Heart for Winter Haven and uh, Life Choice Pregnancy Center. Uh, so 10,000 and 5,000 respectively to uh, those two. Uh, and then global, we have down at the bottom uh, Robbie and Murray Lathrop in Nicaragua, uh, Tiffany Taves and her family in uh, Uganda with Africa Inland Mission, and then 3,000 to Savants. Uh, David and Gigi are going to the Czech Republic. Did you not know that? They're moving from Winter Haven. Where is she? I knew she was here. Oh, they're over there. <laughs> Darn, I wish she was in here to laugh at that. Uh, we're excited about the fact that a son of our church, Wade, so the third uh, savant child, and his wife, Allie, have been approved to go to Prague, the Czech Republic, with Surge. Uh, and they're in the process of um, fundraising. And so we wanted to bless them as they are kind of in the very beginning stages of that to encourage them along the way. Um, you can pray for Tiffany Taves. That's the T-O-E-W-S um, in the middle there. She's actually not on the field at the moment and, and is uh, undergoing some uh, counseling and some other things uh, for some struggles that uh, she has, has been having uh, personally. Um, so just, just pray for her. Uh, I don't want to go into it much more detail than that, but just so you know, they're, they're, they're not on the field at the moment. So that's how the, the, the mission offering gets uh, broken up, and uh, what you'll see there on both the local and the global is, uh, technically speaking, none of that is church planting, okay? 
And so the mission offering is, is not used for uh, Redeemer Church planting work. That's done with, Joe, if you move to the next slide, uh, our, our mission budget, which is actually coming out of the, I don't have a copy of it, but the general budget uh, that we talked a little bit about on Sunday at the congregational meeting, and you can get a copy of if you so choose. And so you'll see these numbers in there. The local one is a little misleading because <clears throat> it doesn't include our contribution to the Florida Church Planning Network. So we're giving $15,000 to Renew Polk, which is the Polk County Church Planting Network. Uh, and it equates to about 2% of our uh, total budget. And then there should be another box there, Joe, that's my fault, uh, that's 15000 to the Florida Church Planting Network. So local church planting, both in our state and here in our county, we're giving $30,000 from our general budget to. And then for global church planting, uh, we give 12000 to Tony and Amber Ellswick, who are with Mission to the World in Nicaragua, and then 6000 to Chris and Danette Brock, who are with Mission to the World in Toulouse, France, Okay. Uh, so total, altogether, if you add those numbers, uh, it's about $71,000. Uh, our budget is like seven forty something, seven thirty something. So we're we're almost tithing, if you think of it that way, out of our budget to give money away. If you add the twenty thousand that we have budgeted for mercy, we're at ninety-one thousand. So that's all of our benevolence giving, or all of our giving away to work that's done outside of. The uh, these three congregations, okay? So that's pretty exciting. Uh, take cur uh, courage from that. Hope it's an encouragement to you. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is we do this mission offering once a year. It's in November. And so one of the things the mission team wanted to, me to communicate was uh, as you think about even November, 11 months from now, and think about what your contribution to the mission offering might be, we'd like to see it. This year it was uh, 23 uh, uh, 2000, or last year was 23, 2017, we'd like to see it at thirty-five dollars or $40,000. Uh, and so be thinking even now, and we challenge you to be thinking even now about how and what amount to set aside that God would impress upon you because this is what it's being used for, okay? Does anybody have any questions? Good. That means I did my job. Thank you. All right, thank you, Jonathan. All right, with that, with that having been said, uh, thank you for the mission, to the missions team for your work. That's great, great work here. Uh, and that, obviously, uh, both um, Berea and uh, Redeemer Southwest are also contributing to things as well. So there's lots, of, there's lots of generosity coming from our church in many, many places. So be, be encouraged by that. Uh, you're, you should have a sheet uh, that, I, that I handed out. It, it is, we're going to do a workshop type thing tonight. So if you don't have one, Dad, do you have extras? Does anyone not have one? Brad, we'll get it to you. Hold on. Jonathan, will you grab those right there? There's a few people maybe around that don't have one. And I want to just, um, I want to to run through a couple things with you. Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're actually going to split up into small groups tonight and have a little, and have a little workshop time. Uh, if you look there, you'll see... Um, You'll see the long-range goal for 2017. This is for Redeemer Winter Haven, uh, and in all of our in all of our congregations, it remains our goal, our vision to be uh, to be to be, to make Jesus's invisible kingdom visible in Winter Haven, Polk County, and the world by being a praying community 
of Jesus' disciples gathered in multiple congregations in each quadrant of our city and totaling 1,000 people. That's our long-range goal. Who embody the truth of the gospel and spread the gospel in both word and deed. And so uh, this past Sunday, we here our, num- our number was uh, around 290, actually, bumping 300. Jeff was right around 90 people. Uh, and Eric, is Eric here? Where's Eric? I thought he was, I thought they were here. Somebody, do you guys know, like 50 or 60 probably at Berea, right? So if you add those numbers up, um, then we're, well, I can't do the math really quick, 430, 440, something like that. 430, 440 people in our three congregations. Our our dream is to have a congregation like that in every quadrant of the city and together totaling 1,000 people, not because we believe the numbers uh, are the ultimate thing, but because we believe that's just a, that would be 1% of the population of Greater Winter Haven, and we feel like if we could get that kind of critical mass, then uh, imagine, imagine with just the numbers we have now and the things that were just up on the screen, imagine what we could do together in our city and in the world with, with just, you know, some raw materials. So that's, that's the reason for putting a, uh, it, it also helps us to pray. I mean, you know, one of the things Paul Miller taught me about prayer is the more measurables that you can have in your prayer requests, uh, that's really actually a great thing because then you can, then you can actually measure when God begins to answer those things, right? So measurables are not a bad thing, they're a good thing. So that remains our, our, um, our goal. So obviously there's, there's a need to grow. Uh, and so if you look there, our rallying cry then uh, for 2017, we've talked about this as a staff, uh, and this comes out of some of my personal meditation as well, is growth. But, but specifically, do you see there our rallying cry, growth through what? Revival. Now, why do you think we put it that way? Anybody? Why, why, why say it that way, do you think? Okay, so churches can get caught up in just counting numbers. What else? Why qualify like that, do you think? Right, good, uh-huh. So through all of those things. So there, there, are, there are ways, I mean, there are, you know, there, are, there are pastor's conferences that you can go to and they'll tell you exactly the things you need to do and tinker with and all that kind of stuff to make your church grow, right? I mean, these... These things happen. So there are all kinds. So what we're saying is we want to grow, but we want to, we want the growth that we experience to be out of a genuine experience of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And not just because um, some, some tinkering with programs or uh, worship style or whatever the, whatever the case might be. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when I think of revival, so, so pray, I'm asking us to pray for revival. Pray, we're, we're praying for revival. We're praying that God would bring revival. And we can't, we can't force his hand when it comes to revival. Uh, we can't make him bring revival, but the thing we can be absolutely sure of is that it won't come if we're not asking him to bring it. So when I think about revival, um, let me put it this way to you. This is the way I would think about this. Is I thought about the components. If you have a little prayer card, here are some of the components that I would have you put down. So when it comes to revival, I think it just, I think it would, um, see, I'm already going to forget them now. Revival looks something like this. It starts with prayer. Okay? And prayer, prayer creates... Um, a move of the Spirit that produces gospel boldness. All of this is a move of the Spirit. But what happens is, is everywhere in Acts and everywhere you look, they begin to pray, the Spirit comes down, there's gospel boldness. That gospel boldness issues itself in witness. People start to really share uh, the gospel with, with people. As they begin to share the gospel, there are 
conversions, and, that, and the, those conversions lead to growth. Does that make sense? That's what we mean by growth through revival, that we would pray for a movement of the Spirit that he would do in us, produce gospel boldness. In other words, that the gospel would begin to transform us and come home into our hearts in such a way that it would turn us into evangelists, that through our evangelism efforts we would see genuine conversions, both in the church and outside of the church, and that those conversions would be, would be what resulted in the growth. So I would just say, write, get a prayer card, write those words down, and just pray that God would, pray that God would do all of that in our midst. Amen? You with me? You see that? Um, but as we pray for him to produce and bring growth, um, the way that I have said this, if you look at the objectives there, uh, the, what, we would, what we would like to see and what we believe would be indicative of a move of God's spirit, uh, which is what we're asking him for, is that the kind of growth we would see would be along a number, number of different fronts. First, it would, we would grow deeper. And by that I mean that there would be... That there would be um, a, a, a renewing of, of gospel theology in our hearts and in our midst, and we would actually organizationally put an emphasis on discipleship and leadership development, which, which we're trying to do. Not only would we grow deeper, but at the same time we would grow bigger. And it's a, it's a fallacy to believe that that's an either-or proposition there, that you either are growing bigger or you're growing deeper. You actually can do both at the same time. You need to do both at the same time. And so by growing bigger, that we would, that we would see here... Uh, 450 in attendance, and that ultimately a thousand people in all the congregations in our in our city. Thirdly, um, the desire to see us grow younger. Now, don't get offended by that. Uh, the reason we're meditating on that is um, the leadership of our denomination has kind of raised the red flags. The PCA is the oldest. Is it the oldest or the second oldest? It is the oldest evangelical denomination in America. Our church. Is, is the oldest denomination in America. No, no. The median age of people in our denomination is the oldest in America. We, I mean, huh? Right. I forget what the median age is. Okay, so the median age in the PCA is 69.5. That's the median age. And so we've just been reflecting... Um, and and for the for city for the city congregation, the reality what what we've seen is you know when when Jeff and Marissa and Southwest went, they took a lot. I mean, they took a lot of the young couples from our church. Not only that, but there has just been. I mean, if you you know if you've if you're involved in children's ministry, I mean, there, we have seen kind of an attrition of of younger families over the last year year and a half uh, for a number of different reasons. So we we're just saying we think it would be a healthy thing. Um, it is always, if we are going to do a multi-generational, 50-year work of ministry in Winter Haven, we've always got to be trying to reach the next generation. And we need to be, we want to we see our children, uh, we want to particularly, uh, I think we have, a, the staff has a heart for millennials and for our children and to see them embracing the gospel because many of them are not. And, and honestly, churches here anyway are terribly ineffective at ministry to that age group uh, and so to see them embracing but not only embracing but for them to to be given by us the freedom to express their faith uh, in the ways that makes sense to them too for us to be always pushing towards towards that and then lastly um, undeniably if revival were to come uh, I believe that it would mean that there would be 
uh, we would begin to grow more diverse. Um, not just in the makeup of our, you know, of our, of our congregations together, but at each of our locations, that we would begin to reflect the diversity of our city as well. So, what I'd like to do this this year in, in these meetings that we have is to take um, to take one of those and kind of reflect on uh, each of those. You know, so tonight you'll see we're talking about growing deeper, and so deeper, bigger, younger, more diverse, and and to emphasize prayer in every facet, not fact, facet of the church's life and praying for revival, to see community groups praying for revival, to see uh, the staff begin to pray for revival, to see the elders and the deacons and the leaders praying, you know, that we would just, we'd be praying for revival. Uh, and so that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're kind of thinking and what, what we're praying that God would do. And so let's, let's just, so very briefly tonight, let's talk, um, let's talk about um, what, what do we mean by growing deeper then? So deeper, bigger, younger, more diverse tonight, talking about what do we mean by growing deeper. And so let me make a case uh, f- to you for why uh, we need to grow deeper. Uh, and one of the things that I would, I, we, are a, we are an eight-year-old church, um, so we're a, very young, we're a very young church just in its life cycle. Um, many of you many of you have been here from the beginning. Some of you have not been here from the beginning. But what, what consistently confuses people is when they come uh, here, and I imagine, Jeff, it's the same at your place too. I mean, I, in fact, I know it is uh, at South, Southwest and probably to some degree at Berea too. But, but, but let me use Southwest as a great example. So um, what would you say, Jeff, the, the percentage of people on, on any given Sunday are from either very marginal church background, no church background, or have been, you know, not in church for five to seven years and are making their way back? At least 50%. Think about that. That's why you plant churches, by the way, because church plants are the most effective at reaching into non, non-Christian, non, you know, unchurched people's lives. And the same thing was true of us in the early years. In fact, it's about a 15-year life cycle, so we're about halfway there. At really, at about 15 years, you become, you become terribly ineffective of, at doing that, to be honest with you. So Redeemer City, we need to kind of like get going because we don't have very more, many more years organizationally before it becomes harder and harder for us to see. But what we saw very, very early on and what Jeff is experiencing is a large number of, um, of non-Christian or de-Christian or um, just marginally Christian people who, who come to church and it's their first experience and, and it, and it uh, perplexes the people who have long been in church because they don't act like people normally act in church. Right? I mean, like, like this is church. What are you doing? And they, but they've never been there. They don't have, I mean, you know, David Savant's, we're picking on Savant's tonight, but David Savant's name is on a plaque somewhere in the attic here because 50 years ago he memorized the shorter catechism of the Westminster Confession as a kid in this church. You know, they don't have that kind of theological background. They don't have any, they don't have any, I mean, our culture is radically biblically illiterate in ways that it has never been before. And so, do you, do you understand, the, the more effective we are at reaching into non-Christian unchurched people's lives, the more, the more we're going to have to put a premium on um, theological, you know, training, biblical training, and Bible studies and these sorts. Does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? So there's just a need to educate people um, to do that. So that's practically. Biblically, uh, look at this verse from Titus 2.1. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. The scripture loves to talk about doctrine by using that adjective, sound doctrine. Now, any Bible scholars in the room know what that Greek word means there, sound doctrine? 
I'll be really impressed. None of the pastors, you can't answer. It actually, it's fascinating. It's the, it is the Greek word literally. It literally is the word hygiene. It, I mean, it is the Greek word hygiene. And what is hygiene? It's, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a prescription for health. Okay? So, um, so what Paul is writing when he writes the pastoral epistles particularly, when he talks about doctrine, he always uses that word sound. And what he's saying is, is that um, you cannot be a strong, healthy, maturing, um, growing Christian without doctrine. Now, we're up against it because in our culture, people say, you know, no, you hear we don't need doctrine, just make it practical. Churches make a living on, you know, we don't teach doctrine, we just teach people how to practically. And to think that you don't need doctrine is itself a doctrine. Okay, so doctrine is important. Think about this. How, how, important, uh, how important do you think just the idea um, God is with us? How important is that? How important is it to living a faithful Christian life to really, to really be able to kind of grab a hold of the sense of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Like, think about that. So what, how, how, how central and important to really living a faithful life do you think the knowledge of that, of that doctrine is? Pretty high? Think about all the doctrines. I was reading uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones today, and he was talking about it. Think about all of the doctrines that hinge on the idea that God is with us. What are some of them? Can you think? Okay, good. But, but, even, but, but just that one little phrase, we can apply it that way, but the virgin birth is connected to that, isn't it? Because without the virgin birth, what? Then, he, then is, he's not truly God. The, 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 the nature of you know, Christ being both God and man is a part of all of that. The Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit and understanding how he... Do you see, do you see when it's just that little phrase, there's so much... Uh, doctrinal impact in that little phrase that has to be unpacked that if you don't have good doctrinal foundations that that truth is not going to come home to your heart in a way that it really changes and affects the way you live that's what Paul means when he talks about sound doctrine sound doctrine so so that's my case for going deeper just very very quickly is that we doctrine we want to be a doctrinal church because we believe doctrine is healthy it's a part of the prescription for spiritual health for people now what is our strategy well, we have lots of them bible studies and discipleship groups and all of those things, but what I want to talk about tonight and what we want to spend some time doing is we want to, we want to reinforce here at the very beginning of the year, yet again, uh, the idea of community Bible reading because I'm telling you, what we've, what we've found is um, churches are full of people who love to go to Bible studies who do not read their Bibles. And what Bible studies do is they create dependency in people upon the person that's teaching. So they come and they just listen to that person who knows everything, kind of tells me what I'm supposed to do. And the whole thing is set up to never get that person that actually interacting with the scriptures themselves and to really, you know, to really um, be feeding themselves uh, irrespective of, of, a, of a group or Bible study they're in. And so we really want to go after uh, at the very beginning of the year and consistently the idea that we should be people who are reading the scriptures consistently. Not only that, but that we would be reading the Bible together. Um, that we would be the case for community Bible. We call it community Bible reading because uh, we're all reading together, not just in this church, not just in these three um, congregations of this church, but actually all of the churches in our denomination in Polk County are now all reading the same scriptures together. So if you run into some person that you know from 
Trinity in Lake Marion Public over in Lakeland, and you ask them about CBR, they've done the same thing you've done. And so the whole the whole county is saturated because look at those verses. Um, Take care, brothers, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. But exhort one another every day. How how often? Every day. Who is your everyday encourager? You need one. Right? So that you may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so we, we are given to one another to help counteract the, the, the hardening effect of sin. Look at Hebrews 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So what's the goal of the Christian life? To draw near to God. Okay? Verse 23, how do you draw near to God? Let us hold fast. You draw near to him by holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So if the goal is to draw near and the way you do it is to hold fast, that means just to grab on to the truth of the gospel and not let go of it. How, how do you become a person that can grab on and, and hold on uh, for dear life to the truth of the gospel so that it, it unleashes your heart to draw near to God? Well, it's verse 24. If what we need to do is to draw near and the way we draw near is to hold fast, then how do we become people who hold fast? And, and the answer is, verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another up. We draw near by holding fast, and we hold fast by stirring one another up. And so we need, So I, my plea to you is, a lot of you have been reading the Bible for a long, long time, and it would be an act of sacrifice and maybe even condescension on your part to give up the way that you've been reading the Bible, or maybe it is that you keep reading the Bible the way that you've been, and you join us in the community Bible reading too. Jeff, you're doing that, right? You're reading through the whole Bible this year, and you're doing community Bible reading? You're a super pastor, man. That's awesome. <laughs> right. Um, I, would, I would just beg you, I would beg you for the sake of, of the gift that you could be to someone else in this church, and the gift of hearing from other people about things that you've been reading too, to, to, to think about putting aside what, whatever your plan. Praise God if you have a plan, but most people don't have a plan. And so what we've tried to do is give people a plan. But even if you do, would you consider maybe for this year, just see how it goes. Put aside your plan and join us. Um, and, and let's do it together because we believe as we do it together, it'll be infinitely more fruitful for us than if we were to try to do it apart. Now, what is community Bible reading? Um, that's what we're going to do now. Um, we have we have community Bible reading journals. If you flip the page over, the, the I'm, what we're going to do is we're going to split into four, five, five, five groups. We have five leaders who you have. You guys have fifteen minutes. That's enough time. Don't worry. That's enough time. It's a very short passage of scripture, and then they're going to lead you through um, what we mean by by community Bible reading. Um, and and how and just model for you how you can do it and what we're trying to do. Um, I am. I'll tell you this. Um, I'm paying my kids to do it this year. Amy Dodd gave gave a great piece of advice. She said, "I don't pay my kids to take out the garbage because I'm not trying to raise garbage men. I pay my kids to do things I want them to do, and I want them to become." So she she used to pay her kids to read books. And read. The, so I was like, "I'm gonna pay y'all to read the Bible." So they're like all in, like every night. I read tonight. I read tonight. Whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do, I'm just, so we're going to split into groups, and, um, and we're going to, mo- so I sat them down, it was the greatest thing the other night, all four of them on the other side of the table, and we did it together as a family, and they're finally at the age where, don't try it when they're one, two, and four, it's not going not gonna to happen, but there will come a day, if you live by faith, where they'll be a little older and you can do it, um, but without getting into the practical 
we want to we want to just we want to just um, model how we do this. So, um, who are my leaders again? Bob, stand up, Bob. David, stand up, David. Brad, is Brad in here? Jonathan, you're up. No, no, you're up. Just stay there. You're up. Um, Marissa and Vicky. Okay? So here are our five leaders. You need to attach yourself to one of these people. Bob, if you would go into the conference room through this door. David, if you would be up here in this corner. Marissa, if you'd go back in that corner. Vicky, that corner. And Jonathan's going to stay right here. Find one of these people. They're going to explain to you. Would you guys explain how it works? New Testament, Old Testament. It's right there in the book. And then work through this. You've got about 15, 20 minutes to do this together, okay? Just really quick. Um, if you have been doing, if you're doing CBR or if you're doing it with your family, just just as many rapid fire as we can, what is the, what's the one thing you found to be the most helpful that you think you might be able to share with people? What's been most helpful to you or what, what's worked? Anybody? Marianne? Okay, shh, she has a quiet voice, so we have to listen. Good, so she, yeah, so a lot of people have one-year plans. You read through the whole Bible in a year. We actually did it. We, 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 we had the same plan, but what I found is I also like the pace of the Old Testament in three years because it just slows you down a little bit. You have a little more time to reflect. Good. Anybody else? I told you bribery. Bribery is the thing that's worked the best for me in all of my stellar, parent, you know, stellar years of parenting. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Did you know that if you don't have time to read it, if you're in a car, if you go to the app, the app will actually read it to you? Are you aware of that? <laughs> and all the millennials in the room said, amen. <laughs> I don't have to possess a Bible. I can just have my phone. So you can do that. Uh, yeah, Vicki? Uh-huh. Good. Good. 15 minutes a day. Did we say that in the groups? I mean, that's really what we're, I mean, this is something that you can do in 15 minutes a day. What, I mean, oh, my question, I forgot. There's, hey, well, Bob's super spiritual. They're always going to be the last ones. 15 minutes a day times five, what is that? Just over an hour, right? Just over an hour. Um, And so if you think, if you think, okay, yeah, you're right, hour and a half. So think of all of the other things. Think of all of the other things in your life that you give way more than an hour and a half, hour and a half to every, every week. It's not that much time, right? Anybody else? Any thoughts? So it reads it to you. Um, the last bit of getting ready for gospel community, sharing. I mean, I, I really, I would love. I, I mean, I know it would be hard for some people or, or um, scary. I mean, I, lo- I would love for many, many people to to post on social media the things that they're learning through CBR. Our little, we have a little hashtag, RWHCBR. I mean, that would be awesome. I, what I do a lot is I'll, I'll te- like the little thing I write at the bottom, I'll really pray and ask God, you know, who, who, who could this be an encouragement to? And I'll maybe text them. Hey, I was, you know, I had this thought today in CBR and I thought it might help you. I mean, that, those are the kinds of things we'd love to see happening, if that makes sense. Huh? Yeah, community group leaders for their community groups and, and that sort of thing incorporating it in the community group meetings. We're going to be doing it in, in the worship service, hopefully a little better than we have in the past, too. Yeah, Vicki. 
You're reading the Bible for other people. You know, I mean, you're reading the Bible with other people in mind. You're cherishing the gospel and cherishing people. I mean, that's that exhort one another how often? Daily. Do you believe that you need an everyday encourager? That your heart really is that prone to hardness? So there's lots. Uh, we want to be, we want to be, we want the legacy of this church to be that the people of this church saturated their lives with the scriptures. And we're a huge emphasis in the coming year and years on private spiritual disciplines in people's lives. That's what we're aiming for. Because we believe that's the path, one of the pathways to revival. It's when people got serious about the scriptures that revival came. Right? It's when people turned back to the word and found the gospel, you know, in a renewed way. So, thank you. Thank you for being here and taking the time to do that. Those of you who led, thank you. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, let's, let's pray and we'll close. Okay, so Father, we do pray that you would grow us deeper. That, you would, that, we, that we would um, hold firm to the, to the standard and the doctrine of our faith. And that we would find life in it. Uh, that we would be a people that, um, that think about your word and read your word and meditate your word, on your word and hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Um, and memorize it and, and all, of the, all of the things that we would be like Psalm 1, which we read this past Saturday. Those who, who meditate day and night on your law that are like trees uh, that, that grow by streams of living water that, that do not wither, but who produce fruit and are fruitful in season. Just a fruitful life because we're anchored in your word. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing it to us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Revealing yourself to us. Forgive us for mishandling it. Forgive us for taking for granted what a treasure we have. That you have not left yourself unknown to us. You have made yourself known. Because that is eternal life that we know you. And so uh, do come. All these things we've been talking about. Do them among us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.